Here at Total Wine & More, you'll find what you love and love what you find, especially our totally low prices. I'm firing up the grill for burgers and want to impress the neighbors. This Cabernet is sure to take your burgers to the next level. Nice! Wow, and look at that price. Well done. I prefer medium or air. <laughs> your neighbors will love it. Find what you love, love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. With the lowest prices in the DMV. Drink responsibly, B21. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Let's see if I get this thing on all right. Hey, this is Jim the Keys, bartender, coming to you from Key Largo. It is 2021, and uh, I think I got it right here. Uh, we we did our New Year's Eve show. I have been having a horrible time with my uh, regular broadcast system because the uh, Windows. I had a Windows update, and once again... Technology, the technology eludes me. I cannot get my sound mixer working on my regular laptop, so I am currently just using uh, my Chromebook. And so I'm back to what I originally, I think I originally used this for broadcasting. Eventually I, I did. I tried it with powered microphones. That actually doesn't work too well. Uh, isolating using a, a certain uh, microphones to be to get the sound right has been my struggle I, I use when I'm out doing things at different bars I may use a soundboard or anything like that if I found if I use a dynamic mic and I haven't mastered the headphone thing I really I don't know if headphones necessarily are good because it isolates you from the people that if you're around people. Otherwise, when you have the headphones on, it's more like an interaction between the people that are wearing the headphones. And sometimes I just want to be able to do it so I'm interacting with people around. But uh, I'm kind of dependent on watching certain uh, balances in, uh, on this online app to make sure that we are making sure that the sound goes out. But it is 2021. I am struggling. I wanted, really wanted to do a show early in the season with uh, our friend from uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, she's from Glasgow. Glasgow? Glasgow. Uh, Glasgow. I know I'm, I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, Natalie. So we'll, we're going to resolve that. Something happens when I... I use a third-party app, and I plug my, you know, my headphones in, and I have to link up through Skype. It's a virtual cable that hooks up between the headphone, my laptop, Skype, and the broadcasting app. And there's something screwy going on where I'm not getting a dedicated feed. I guess I do. My problem is I don't even know the language language it's a there's a 
microphone wizard. Most of the time when I plug in to my regular laptop, it'll say, do you want, you have your option to say line in, microphone, headphone, headphone, microphone, headphone, you know, whatever choices there are right there. And I, uh, I just go and like, if I'm using a soundboard, I go with line in and I'm just using a headphone. If I'm doing a remote, uh, broadcast where we are contacting people through Skype, which I like doing because I can get multiple people, but eventually we're going to have to get back into restaurants because I have a plan for 2021. I have plans. I have big plans. And I did mention this. Uh, I, I did mention this last episode in 2020 that it's interesting people take that delineation of 2020, 2021. Like 2020 was the worst year ever. That's CNN's actual was their advertising campaign for New Year's Eve was the worst year ever. And I thought, wow, really? And then and Andy Cohen, uh, Brad, um, Anderson Cooper's uh, buddy, he was calling. He, he, a couple times he said it was a shitty fecal. He mentioned it said it was a shitty year. 2000 was a shitty year. But it's funny how you can make that little delineation, though we are going through some of the worst parts of, let's say, politically we're going through some bad things right now, and then also with the virus. So we are actually in 2021, and we still have things that we were dealing with in 2020, but uh, the expectation is 2021 would be much better, but we also had expectations in 2020 that 2020 would be better. So, and why, why the, saying it's the worst year ever, come on, we're less than 100 years out from the Holocaust. The Holocaust was pretty bad. Some of the, you know, some of World War II, there was a lot of bad days during World War II. And there was bad days, single days, where you had the tsunami where, you know, a couple hundred thousand people died. So, individually, I guess globally, it was a pretty bad year. But, I think World War Two. World War Two. if you're going to go for, there's probably a bunch of years from 1939 to 1945 where you could pick almost any of those years are pretty bad years for people. So, I take it easy on the worst year ever so far you know or to you know in short people short lives yeah it could be but then again you can say well it's not as bad as that you know they'll say i remember a year was much better just like snowstorms and old girlfriends it's just the way you your your memory and speaking of memory new year's eve i'm sitting with uh, Abby and we're watching TV and we see a remote broadcast from or a newscast showing the lead up to New Year's Eve and we're on a local station so they're showing up in Fort Lauderdale and they show this bar the Elbow Room E-L-B-O Room and uh, there was always there's always an Elbow Room in almost any big town especially in the Northeast the Elbow Room and it was just the, the 
the windows are open and all that stuff. It was just wall-to-wall people. And Broward and Miami-Dade are still like a hotbed, at least in Florida, for uh, surging infections, right? And they're showing it. They're showing people. What I, but that's not the point of it. I'm looking at elbow room. And for some reason, 48 years ago, there was this, on Saturday morning, if you're from the same, you know, you're in my late, if you're in there, if you're 60 years old to 50 years old, or maybe late 40s, you may remember this thing called Schoolhouse Rock. And Schoolhouse Rock with these little... I guess they were public service announcements put on by, you know, the cartoon net on Saturday morning. So they weren't just giving kids all this shit, you know, the Justice League and Thunder the Barbarian. I don't know if the Schoolhouse Rock was still on during Thunder the Barbarian, but during the 80s and stuff. Remember the Justice League? Ted Knight was the voice. Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice... Um, but in order to make people say, hey, listen, it's not all bad, there was this little commercial they play, it was two, three-minute long commercials or that would cover math, grammar, civics, and history. And some of the things was, um, I'm just a bill, which was how a bill was proposed, how a bill made it through Congress and became into law. And they did a whole song of it. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And then in grammar, they did conjunction, junction. What's your function? And they had songs about how to use and, or, what. No, not what, but, nor. I guess I should have paid attention to this. But all, a but. There you go. Three is a magic number. That's a math one. But they had this one when they said the elbow room in Fort Lauderdale. I thought about the bar in Philadelphia. But then I thought again, for some reason, it took me all the way back to this song called Elbow Room, which was from Schoolhouse Rock. And Elbow Room was used as a means to describe how the U.S. spread across this continent. And it started out, the song started out, they were talking about the the uh, 13 colonies and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, it was called Elbow Room, Elbow Room. Got to get ourselves some elbow room into how we spread across. And the, the interesting about it, it was really lighthearted and pleasant song. But it really doesn't cover some of the things that occurred, like the Trail of Tears when they got the... The, the Cherokee were marched out of uh, the southeastern United States and out to Oklahoma or, or the Indian Wars or the Mexican-American War we were seized. It's just, it just glossed over it because they were doing all these things. And it was funny. One of the things they talk about President Thomas Jefferson and how he got the Louisiana Purchase, which was a pretty good deal. You know, was it $3 million or something like that? It was just to get access to the Mississippi River and they end up selling the whole double in the side of the United States. But they talked about Sacagawea and Lewis and Clark. 
and they just glossed over. It was so funny. He said like this, oh yeah, we need just need more elbow room, elbow room. And they said, and we fought some, it fought a little, and they show an arrow going into a hat. And that was it. Now, I'm not suggesting that we stole everything. But pretty much, we stole everything. <laughs> you know, if you think about it, everyone, the, 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 the Plains tribesmen, the, 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 the Sioux uh, and the Great Plains, the, the people that hunted the buffaloes and all that stuff, the, the land uh, we tracked across the central part of the United States, uh, I guess the gold rush did it in the 40s. And then you had the Civil War. Then you had the Intercontinental Railroad when they were open up the West. So all the land that was taken by the railroads and the telegraph companies, and they built towns around there, and they started doing, you know, herding cattle up to North Central Plain states. And then people started putting up, you know, staking their claims. And shit like that. They just wrote it down in elbow room. That people need elbow room. It's just interesting. From the perspective of. You know. The indigenous people. It's like saying. Well listen. We need this space. You're going to have to. You're going to have to go someplace else. You're not using it the way. We're going to use it. So we're going to develop it. We're going to use farm. And we're going to. Maybe we're going to build a big ranch. We may put a city over here, but it doesn't include you guys. We'll put you in a different area, and here's an agreement that we will adhere to. But they don't really say for a certain amount of time. (laughs) Until, like, the Black Hills of Dakota, when they discovered there was precious metals there, they drove the Indians out of there. Wherever there was a a resource or something they needed, they decided, well, we're going to have to scuttle this agreement. So it was all, almost none of the agreements were, they didn't, they didn't mention any of it in Elbow Room. And it was just a real upbeat song, which is nice. As a kid, uh, I learned it. It took me years later. I mean, if you don't know about it, if you think that we dealt honestly with the Native Americans, with their land. I know that there was a lot of land. But, you know, don't don't make an agreement if you're not going to adhere to it. And they didn't do it. They didn't do it most of the time. You know, it just made it real light. People talk about it, just like the Civil War. When people talk about the Civil War and they say, well, listen, there's an argument about the state's rights. Yeah, the state's right in order to enslave other human beings. That's what the state's rights that we have a problem with. They want to be able to maintain that law. And right now we're getting people talking about it again, which... uh, you know my stand. If Texas, if you really want to leave, they should have really, they should have built the wall on the north border of Texas. If most, and I don't think most of the people in Texas want to leave. It's just we we get a big. Uh, there's a big discrepancy in these people that are militant and active. You may have like 10, 15 percent of the people are militant, and they. And they just say, hey, we want to have it succeed in, from the union and we're going to set up our own independent state. 
Well, yeah, you got 15% of the people that are super active. When you consider only 50% of the people vote, you know, that 15% seems like a third. And they're not. They hover around little from, you know, one-eighth of the population. But they're so active that you think they're they're out there. There's always, like, the people in your neighborhood that are always having parties and stuff like that. Someone... They're out there having parties. There's someone, you know, kid, they may always have parties over there. You think, boy, these people are always having a parties. No, well, it's because no one else is having parties. You think they're all having a party. Same thing with these people that are active. You just think, well, there must be a ton of people out there doing things. They're not. There's just people willing to do outrageous things. And I think, um, well, we'll get around to and we got some predictions for 2021 coming up. So this is this is me. Take it with a grain of salt. But I everyone else gets to make a prediction. They make predictions about teams are gonna win, what's gonna happen. I'll tell you this the economy's changing. Okay, you heard about this. There's the rise of the gig economy. A lot of people taking third, you know, third jobs and things like that. But because of the pandemic, people being able to work from home, that's going to spur on the contractor, like people that work as contractors for companies. So certain companies don't have to have an accountant department necessarily or a marketing department. They just hire someone to do marketing. They can hire someone to do web design. They, hired, they, they don't have to have them in-house. Why would they have to employ them? So you, you hire someone short-term, give them a six-month six uh, contract, and there you have it. I see it down here in, in Key Largo. I see people getting six-month, six year-long contracts. Your contractor used to be someone that would build... You know, it's an indeterminate job because length of job because they were building. And you don't know how necessarily how long the job's going to take. But now we have all different types of jobs. There's system analysts. There's there's a friend of mine that was working at the nuclear power plant for years. He's been a contractor for them now. High paid contractor. A Papa Joe's a contractor. Think about it for the the nuclear. I mean, he works for a company that serves a. Uh, services the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. So with this pandemic, with people being able to work from home, companies are getting more comfortable not having all their employees under the roof. Because they could say, when it comes to, I remember working for a software company, and software company should have been the first one to go remote. Right? You didn't have to have an office. I mean, you, they they did sales, and the sales a sales driven organization still has a thing where they meet and they psych each other out, and just like car sales and things like that. But more remotely, people are just getting to the the habit of not being there, and it's almost like they're on their own. They just said, "Listen, we're going to either we're going to have a building." We're going to have these salespeople, and you may be able to produce a half million dollars in sales, right? If you could produce a half million dollars in sales, I don't care if you're sitting at your kitchen table or sitting at our table, in a you know a desk in our office. As a matter of fact, it's cheaper for them to sit at their their home. 
right? But then again, and you can actually manage it more because you know there's a possibility if you get on someone's um, uh, network, like there's Zoom meetings and things like that, you can actually supervisors can actually drop in on people and see what they're doing, how they're handling things, and talk to them directly. So with that, you're going to see the rise of the private contractor. And the rise of the private contractor even goes with these small, these online apps. Instacart, Grubhub, Uber Eats, Uber Lyft, Airbnb. I mean, these companies, I said it before, you see, they're going to start seeing that the business models are starting to fail. Right? The way the Grubhub and Uber Eats works is that they get an existing company, an existing restaurant, they link their menu to them, they they link a charge, a charging system, payment system to them. So when someone orders from their portal, Uber Eats or or Grubhub, they get a percentage of the sale. So they're sucking away some of the capital from the Restaurants that are already under stress from, you know, reduced dining in. No people going out. And the worst, the, the the least amount of money made for a lot of these places that are used to having dine-in are to take out. Now, that doesn't mean people say, hey, Jim, how about pizza places and, and, uh, and Chinese food? Well, they're made. They're made for takeout. Think about it. They're made for takeout, the food. Pizza, sandwiches, Chinese food, put in a little cartons and stuff like that. Great takeout items. There was built around that. And they actually have their own distribution system. So they're set. These other companies, the reason why people, if the food was so great pre-prepared, then Swanson Hungry Man Dinners would be the most popular item in the country. Frozen dinners aren't great. And when you have food prepared, a lot of these high-end food items, they don't taste great 45 minutes later. They really don't. You know, if, you have a, if you have a pan sautéed preparation, the butter congeals and all that stuff, it looks like a mess. So these companies, they're experiencing, restaurants are experiencing less dining in where they make a lot of money, because I, especially when you have drinks. Think about it. For like soda, it's $3 for a soda. It costs them a nickel. So they make that profit right there. The soda's almost all profit. And the drinks too. The food's the smallest amount. You know, they're lucky if they make 10, 15% on it. But they get, they're lucky if they make 10%, 10 to 15% on the food after everything pays out. Now that's profit. But they take that profit and they're giving it to the delivery service. Before anything goes wrong. And the employee who could have been a tipped employee at that time. An hourly employee because they're also that profit. They're spending more time doing something that takes away from their profit too. They have an employee. They're paying their employee to do something that reduces their profit. Which is preparing a takeout that's going with a a third party delivery app. So it's going to it's fail it's going to fail shortly. Uh, people on Wall Street, the, the articles are out there now. They're saying they don't understand how they can raise capital at this time. How people are still sending them capital, but they're going to be gone. Just like um, 
Uber and Lyft. Now, Uber had a plan to get rid of, obviously, when they have driverless cars and stuff like that, Uber's just going to try to do it that way, but they don't really understand that Tesla's probably going to try to do that on their own, too. When they have the self-driving cars perfected, you know, there, there you go. But then you have all these other, you have TaskRabbit, you got these uh, massage apps where people come and get the massage, they got dog sitting apps, whatever. TaskRabbit does that thing. It's the gig economy. That's the reason why I mentioned before, the reason I put a lot of thought into it. I thought about it for a long time. I thought about the dollars and cents, what it would cost to do certain things. Because I, uh, before all these big companies hit, which was, I picked the wrong time. It was like getting into, um, I was getting into the telegraph business when the phone was coming out, right? Or in the Zeppelin business, you know, hot air ballooning when the airplane's coming out because I'm trying to do delivery and all this stuff and all of a sudden these online apps are coming up. And then because it was crappy transportation service, I was thinking about doing the, uh, and I, I did this, Applied for a business license, joined Chamber of Commerce, went to the state, uh, you know, and, and incorporated. And then these apps came along and they started undercutting your prices and stuff like that. And it was a good idea at the time. And I don't blame, I don't blame these apps for doing it. I just picked the wrong time to start doing it. Well, you know, it came hand in hand with social media because it was easy to advertise with social media, but also the apps were coming out at the same time when social media was expanding. Prior to that, like 20 years ago, you'd have to advertise in a newspaper. Newspapers sucked. It's amazing the newspaper's still doing business down here. I'm sorry. I apologize for my friends still working in a newspaper. People do pick it up. They pick it up for the uh, the flyer on the food you know, for when you, uh, the public flyer and they read the front page, which is not a lot of news. And then maybe see where the entertainment schedule for live entertainment, at different restaurants. That's it. <coughs> that they can print a newspaper still and give it away for free, which is down here is amazing. It's amazing. But that's the days of that is over. So as well as the days of the brick-and-mortar stores. Because they were slowly going by. They were dying anyway because of Amazon and the big retailers who have a robust online service like Walmart and Target. As I said previously, Sears Robux, Kmart, Sears Robux was the original Amazon, but they dropped the ball. They got rid of their distribution system, and then they tried to get back into. They tried to get into becoming an internet provider, an internet retailer, which, when they were a hard mail provider, meaning they had their own distribution system, a warehouse system, they could have went from there. But they fucked up. They should have started. They should have started exploring that back in the nineties when they still had their warehouses. And converted from there. Because they had their system. They had their people. All they have to do is train them. Keep, you know, keep a, a 10, 10 to 15% of their people in-house. Their distribution system. <coughs> they had it hands down, but they lost out. 
and now the malls with the COVID and all this stuff, people, there was another, let's say they lost another 10 to 20% of the people that never would buy clothes online. Why do you buy clothes online? I got to try it on. Well, now they say, well, listen, if I try it on, but if it doesn't fit, I can just send it back. They become comfortable sending it back, ordering shoes, all those places. You're still going to have, for a little while, you're going to have the drug stores still going, the dollar stores, which is the low end. How are you going to ship all that stuff? But uh, you're going to, you know, those malls, those malls are going to start disappearing. You have some of the kiosks, maybe more for entertainment. But I don't know what they're going to do with malls. There's going to be a thing. Maybe somebody's got to think about how to make it into loft space or something like inner city or more of an entertainment setup. But malls are going to be gone. They're just going to, the biggest malls are just going to disappear. And then travel. God, travel is going to be incredibly changed in 2021. Because of vaccination, you know, air travel is going to drop because you're going to have a certain amount of people that are still afraid. And then you have a certain amount of people, and they're suggesting there's uh, more than 50% of the people that work in nur- nursing homes do not want to get vaccinations. And there's a large group of people in the United States that don't want to get vaccinations. But there's going to be countries out there and airlines that are going to say, listen, Unless you're vaccinated, you're not going to be allowed to fly. So, that'll be like, what's going to happen is the people that want to have a telephone in their house. Like, originally people didn't want telephones in their houses. Things like that. Think, uh, Think of Amazon. They didn't want Amazon either. They don't want the echo and all that. And still a lot of people like that. There's going to be people that have it and people don't. Oh, I don't want the internet. Well, you're not going to have you're not going to have a job if you if for certain jobs people say you have to have the internet. You have to you have access to the internet. You need to submit when you have to submit your work and think you have to have the internet. Some people want to refuse. Well, that's just the way it's going to be. There's a, there's going to be a reactionary group of people. Reactionary. Back in 1980, I was 17 years old. I acted as a election observer. And what they did is they had a pool thing where uh, I didn't work for any particular news agency. I just took the results. When they were reading off the results off the back of, in Philadelphia, they were using polling booths. And they were the ones that just had the little switch. You had the big handle that went one party and you had that small switch yes or no for it and they would tally the votes that way and this year it's like with some some people are just doing purely electronic some are you doing fill in the blank uh, I don't know if they're still doing punch cards anybody's doing punch cards but it's it's just amazing that uh, right now the elections sanctity is sullied and it's going to be screwed up for years now we used to laugh at countries like that you know North Korea Iran now we're going to be acting like we're like we're in the same group 
you know, where the you know the guy doesn't like the results and going to try to flip them. He said, "Well, listen, uh, they they that happened before. It happens in, in dictatorships." So uh, I believe also one of the biggest things is going to be a large decline. You're going to start seeing a decline in the marriage rates. That's going to continue, but it's going to be a steeper decline because of people during the shutdown. Uh, reach the breaking point, and you're going to see more people see their hear their horror stories, and you're going to less likely for that to happen, especially since they had to put marriages on hold. And then another thing, and this is where it's going to piss off some of your listeners here, and I apologize for it. But in 2009, when they took the last big survey, 78% of people in the United States that responded considered themselves Christians 2009 in 2018 and 19 that percentage went down to 65% so that's a 13% decline in 10 years in 10 years so by 2030 they could be under 50% and I think 51% considered themselves Protestant now it's 43%, and 23% consider themselves Catholic, and now they're down to 20%. So it's the same uh, uh, percentage drop. And that means, and the corresponding raise, the rise in people that are non-affiliated, agnostic, and atheist, is that's highest point ever, 26%. And that's just going to grow. As I said in one of the previous shows, if you really want to get more people in, you're going to have to calm down some of the wackier segments of your religion. Calm down. You got the Westfall Baptist Church. You got the you know the, you're getting involved in politics. And things like that. People are just getting sick and tired of that. And that's when you see that, what was it, 65% of Americans consider themselves Christian. These people are like, there's some people like me. And, you know, Methodists and Lutherans, the people that aren't hardcore. That if they, you know, they go to, they go to church six, seven times a year. Bet that's like 10, 15% of them. Or it's just because someone's a spouse. So there's there's an easy 20% leeway in it. So probably under 50% of people consider them diehard Christians. I think people are starting to, it's like trying, it's, it's like that person is trying to be your friend too hard. How they turn you off. Or you, someone you go on a date for the first time and they go kind of nutty with flowers and shit like that and perfume. Or to, I remember one time this, I, I was dating this woman. It was like a week and a half. And she had like 12 gifts for me for my birthday. And I'm just like, that was scary. So if you're taking it easy, I remember whenever a girl kind of took it easy, not, not being that gung-ho, I wanted her even more. I think that goes with religions. And who did, who said it? Groucho Marx says, or Woody Allen said, I don't want to belong to a club that would have me as a member. 
but that's 2021 we'll only know when that happens you know it's only time will tell it's a beautiful day it's in the 70s here in the keys we may be heading out to go to uh maybe go for a ride i think the traffic's starting to head out uh i get my drain taken out in a couple days so i don't look like for the people that are star trek next generation fans i don't look like one of the borg with that tube coming out of my neck I know it's gross. My wife wants me to go out with her. And I think I'm going to go out with it. Maybe I can kind of camouflage it a little so I'm not walking around grossing people out. Okay. Well, thank you for listening. Also, before I sign off, I intend to have a sponsor. I'm going to be sponsoring within a show. I'm looking for a product, service, or a location. Preferably in the keys, right? And my intention is probably uh, probably do it all for, in, a, in the next couple of months. Once we get in line to start getting the uh, vaccine, uh, get vac- vaccinated. And uh, hopefully, well, I'll make sure that the people I bring with me are vaccinated. But if I interview people where I'm going to, it doesn't really matter as long as I'm not bringing them in. Uh, I know you can't require, you can't make vaccination mandatory, but I I do feel responsibility if I'm going someplace that I got to do my least, make my least harmful or be the most protective of uh, my surroundings and be, because I've. I'm a, I'm a bartender. I realize I've been exposed to that, and I, I made it through my operation. And all the tests I've gotten, I've been negative the whole time. And I'm positive about being negative. But uh, I'm looking for a sponsor this year. I'm looking forward to that. I'd like to thank everyone for listening. I'd like to thank everyone, um, the international listeners. I appreciate India. We're getting very strong support from India. I'm really surprised about India. Uh, may make it hard for drinking. I wonder if it's a drinking crowd. I would like to get some emails from my Indian listeners. That would really be nice. Uh, most of the, you know, 35% of the listeners are from the United States. I, I'd say like right now, currently about 6% of the listeners are from India. Uh, you guys are making a big impact in the numbers. So why don't you send me an email to Jim at keysbartender.com, right? Um, I would love to have one of you on the show. Anybody interested? I'd have you on Skype if you have a good internet connection or something like that. Um, and I can figure out. I'm probably talking to some of you guys when I have to call for tech uh, help, stuff like that. But I do appreciate everything you do. Listen to the show, share it with your friends in the United States, on the West Coast. Uh, not so much in New England part. Not so much New England. We got Maine, get South Carolina, got the West Coast, got LA, Chicago. But uh, not in the deep south. I understand we don't do this deep south. Maybe we can't get New Orleans. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe that's not the thing there. Uh, I'd like to thank you for listening. Once again, share it. If you have any questions, send an email to me at jim at keysbartender.com. Uh, we'll sign it off right now. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>